Here with you on a Sunday evening after a horrendous, devastating, disgusting, despicable loss by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the Washington, to the three and six Washington football team on Sunday afternoon. Scott, it has been a couple hours and I am still grappling with how this atrocity occurred. This was pathetic. So was Tom Brady. Look at the look on his face, man. He is like, what the, (laughs) you know what? Yep, and it was that kind of a game, man. Start yeah. to finish, so many different ways, so many mistakes, so many uh, self-inflicted errors. And then when when it wasn't that stuff, when you just needed to stop a 10-minute drive by Washington to end the football game, uh, probably, oh, well, you God. hope the low point for the defense this season. That was like definitely a the low point why me, I've been covering man. the team. As a defensive yeah. guy, that was a gut punch. That was like, uh, you know, brutal, brutal. Yeah, Right. All right, extremely fans, embarrassing to watch. We'll we'll talk about this. We'll get yeah. to a lot of the. I, I know fans, you're ready to vent it out. We are too. We got to talk about one good thing before we That's get there, true. though. And it's yeah. our friends over at Celsius sponsoring this podcast, as they do all of our podcasts. Yes, uh, Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. The sparkling strawberry guava is what I'm rocking. You can see on the screen, lots of different flavors. Healthy energy accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, no sugar, yet unbelievable taste for celsius one of the true cheat codes out there celsius just unbelievable stuff what they provide and in tons of different flavors that all taste good too so if you would like some of this yummy beverage and uh and an energy drink to help boost yourself especially after a loss without the crash and without any of the bad stuff from other energy drinks you can go to celsius.com use the store locator find out where they are near you or you can click the banner ads at pewterreport.com go to amazon do the subscribe and save option Lots of way to get Celsius coming to your door on the regular every day. So John, make sure you check that out. I'm not going to say that this Celsius saved my life today. I'm, I can't make that claim, but you I'm can. not going to say that it didn't either. Right, right. Listen, go. I get it completely. I understand it. I'm on a Celsius right now. It's sustaining me. And so, yeah, I totally understand it. Everybody, we encourage you all to get in on the act. Celsius is the real deal for sure. Okay, let's get to some of these comments. I know the the phone lines, quote unquote, are are lining it up already uh, from people. We've got a $20 super chat. Josh, Q, we always appreciate Thank you, uh, the Josh. super chats. Yeah, Josh uh, he says, John, this is for you and Paul spending a week <laughs> discussing what the Bucs should do to succeed, only to have to spend three hours calling a game where they did the exact opposite. I am so sorry. Yeah, this is funny, Josh, and I appreciate the super chat and the shout out, obviously. Yeah. If you listen to Thursday's podcast with Paul and I, and then you go watch the game, you'll be even angrier. Because I'm not saying Paul and I have all the answers, but like just the basics in terms of like what this team needed to do to be successful in this game and what they did last year when they played the same defense with basically the same people, what they needed to do to be successful. They just didn't do it at all. And it was unbelievable. I just have no idea. We usually start with the, if it's a loss, we start with the worst unit. If it's not win, we start with the best unit. And this one, who even knows, Scott, because this was the first game of the season where I thought both units were just absolutely pitiful. They were. Let's let's talk about Vita Vea's injury right now, because in the grand scheme of things, John, and we'll talk about this game ad nauseum for the next hour or so. But this is one game out of 17. It's a loss, but you never want to see anybody get injured, especially somebody very important. And that was not the case today. Vita Vea, in the fourth quarter, at the very end of the game, suffered what looks to be a knee injury. Uh, Arian said that uh, 
he had some some pain there. They're not exactly sure, you know, what's up with that. He did have a knee injury, I want to say, in 2019, uh, um, and or maybe it was 2018, one of those two uh, two seasons, and it looked to be awful. And he actually played the next week. So let's yeah. hope it's not something as as bad as that broken ankle, which was pretty apparent when it happened last year at Chicago. But John, this game, it reminded me so much of the Chicago game, right? You're playing an inferior opponent. Like this should be an easy win. Mm -hmm. You scored 19 points. The offense underwhelms. The defense cannot make stops in that game uh, at crucial times. You saw the self-inflicted penalties, not as many as there was against the Bears last, last year but enough for it to become problematic yet again for another week for Tampa Bay and just losing the turnover battle, right? Two to one. Yeah. This, this Bucks defense just not taking the ball away nearly as many times as, as it needs to. And the other thing too is, is, you know, if we're being honest, um, not great play by Tom Brady. Yeah. And this was interesting. A lot of interesting things happened in the post game press conferences today, right? First of all, uh, Bruce Arian said, he was asked about the interceptions, and he said nothing to do with the receivers. It's Tom, you know, it's Brady, and it was. I mean, it just makes absolutely no sense yeah. because everybody in the world saw the Jalen Darden play, and we yes. don't understand why it wasn't yes. a fumble. Sure, but like that's the other pick. So, like, what are you talking about? Then Mike Evans gets up and he says they ask him about Brady. Like, was Brady as comfortable as he normally is today? And he said he looked the same as he always does to me. You know, the two interceptions no, were on the receivers. The they were on me and, and no. J.D. Well, I don't think Evans' interception was on him. Correct. I think Evans is being a good captain here. Yes. So both of them are clearly wrong in my opinion. Right. Brady leaves the press conference out of anger. I don't think he left the press conference out of anger. He was just he left the press upset conference at the voice guy. Here's why he left the press minute. conference. Somebody asked him, how do you feel after this game? Right. I have, I don't know who asked yeah. it because it's not even on video. I just saw people tweeting about it. Right. They cut the video after three questions, and then he actually kept going after that. You saw people tweet stuff out. I don't know who asked it, and I apologize if I'm going to make somebody feel bad by saying this, but there is not a worse question you can ask someone. We yeah. literally learned it in school, like yeah. in, in sports broadcasting school. You, actually, after a loss, a asking somebody how you feel, it's just – it, it deserves a player walking out. Now, he didn't obviously walk out of the press or he answered the question. He said, I, I like to win. <laughs> like it was, you know, and he should have answered it that right. way. Also, Brady press conference reactions are so stupid to me. He yeah. says a lot of words to say nothing, or he says right. very few words to say nothing. Both ways, it's nothing. Talk about yeah. something that actually has to do with the game. I hate when people harp on that stuff. John, I didn't say that Brady was the biggest reason why they lost at all. So no, like, let's, no, let's no, get that, that straight. I'm just he saying he, did, he, just, he didn't play that well. And and I'll tell you why he didn't play well. The, he felt, he, listen, he got hit on the first series of the game. Ali Marpet did not have a good game. Right? He, he just no, did. He, didn't. He, he lost that battle to Jonathan Allen. Even though he didn't give up a sack, Allen hit him a couple times, including once early. Right, Brady got sacked three times in New Orleans. I think that he felt some phantom pressure. I think that Brady got a little impatient with, with the cover two defense. Mike Evans had three targets, caught two balls, 60, 62 yards for, um, and one touchdown. Part of the reason why Mike Evans was was nowhere to be found is because he was being doubled every play, just about every play, except for the, the touchdown. They decided to single up uh, Kendall uh, Fuller on Mike Evans. That was not smart. That was a 40-yard touchdown as a result. But Evans was taken out of this game with cover two, high um, coverage. and, and that's nothing new, though. You know, it's, not, it's nothing new. And I, I think, I think Brady, Brady was frustrated because Tyler Johnson wasn't separating. 
OJ Howard wasn't separating. Cam Braid wasn't separating. Um, yeah. Chris Godwin was was playing on a gimpy leg, and they, they were giving him some some short stuff underneath. Chris Godwin averaged what six seven yards a catch today. I mean, it was it was nothing. I, I to thought this about. was yeah, this was Tyler Johnson's worst game in my opinion. Yes. You know, a couple incompletions to him. I mean, one he should have caught, but again, he doesn't run the corner off. It's right. a comeback route. He doesn't run the corner off. He leaves no window to throw the football into right. because he's got no speed to push the guy vertically in the outside. That's why Tyler Johnson, yeah, he's a slot dependent receiver, to be honest. Correct. like He needs to play in the slot if he's going to be a full-time guy. Change of pace guy, go out there and four wide receiver sets, different story. If you're right. going to be out there in 11 personnel, that was one. The other one was when he couldn't separate on the first drive of the game out of his break. I thought that was one that just, again, he's just not a great athlete. You're starting to see the ceiling on Tyler Johnson. I think he can be useful as a contested catch guy. I think he's going to always have some great catches, but yeah. having him as an every down receiver, the limitations are pretty clear. You're right. He can't get separation. That's right. a big problem right now. Scott, I, I, think, because... I think Brady was frustrated and it was kind of like, you know, he scans the field for two seconds. He's nobody open whatsoever and decides to check it down to Fournette. And, it, yeah. and that's, that's one thing Bruce Arians even said was, was that he got rid of the ball, you know, a little too quickly uh, in, in his estimation. Yeah, he said maybe a couple of times, but he also said there's a lot of times where they're just playing cover. That's the coverage, and he's making the right read to check it down too. So it's a mix, and honestly, we just have no idea. Everybody wants to know about why Fournette caught eight balls or whatever and why there was a lot of checkdowns. We don't know because we don't see – we cannot know until we see the All-22. Yeah. We can't tell you something until we see the angles by which to tell you. We'll tell you once we get – we'll tell you what happened with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, whether there was anything down there down the field. Yeah, I know Tom Brady. I know I watch every game. I know that if there's opportunities down the field – he doesn't miss him very often. So I'll be, I'll be surprised. Like yeah. today, off, off watching the game, just off off the TV copy, that that he it looked like he was being a little. He was impatient. getting there early. Yeah, he was getting there early, and then there was also pressure at times, especially when there yeah. should not have been Montez Sweat, Chase Young, not really Montez Sweat. None of this game, Chase Young got hurt early in the game. Like there's yeah. just there's no reason well, why that should have been happening. Washington called a lot of blitzes. There was, there was nobody that yeah. really scares you up front. You know, right, and they, but they ran a lot of games, a lot of blitzes. Yeah. Bucks did not pick them up as well as they should have, and so there's a lot of reasons. No, not one person, in my opinion, other than maybe Tristan Wirfs from watching live, played well offensively. And I have to rewatch right. it, and maybe I'll change my mind. But it was a pretty much a, a complete. And whereas I would say in most games this year, the vast, pretty much everybody out there offensively has played well. In this game, I wouldn't really say anybody. Again, except maybe worse, and we'll, we'll all rewatch and see if Jensen right. and Kappa maybe a little bit more. Um, I didn't think Smith and Marpet handled games that well. I thought Kappa mishandled a couple games just rewatching some of the plays before this. Um, I thought Worfs played well, but other than that, yeah, offensively, hard to find much to get excited about. Uh, Chris Godwin made some things happen and he, and he was injured, but you know, he wasn't as effective as he normally is. Definitely down the field, there was nothing to write home about. And right. I thought that 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 low throw by Brady at the that went off Godwin's foot. That was an intentionally low throw to yeah. avoid Godwin getting hit by the safety. Godwin has caught it. He knows exactly where it's going to be. You yeah, can go, you can I can show you for sure. Yeah. I can show you the play from several other games this season, exact play, the exact route. He knows it's going to be low. It went right up through both of his hands. That's a ball you got to catch. So again, like it just, you know, there were five drops in the first half of this game and some of them were in big situations that cannot be a thing that happens. And what for the game Brady finished, you know, 23 of 34 so i mean yeah. there's not a lot of misfires for brady in this game i'll say that right. obviously the one the second interception was one of those in my opinion but be, there wasn't a lot 
there wasn't as much down the field as there normally is either. Oh, Again, no, no, we're going to no. talk about Brady because he's the quarterback, but I don't know. To me, this the evaluation of this offense starts with Byron Leftwich in this game, and everybody knows I've defended him a lot, Scott, but today was just horrible. I mean, they weren't running the ball well at all, yet he continued to call first down runs. They were in second and nine, second and eight, second and seven all game. The Bucs are already passing at like 85%, I think Paul said, on second down this season. So it's so predictable. Washington oh, yeah. knows exactly what they're going to be in. Then you yeah. wonder why they struggle to find people open. They know right. what you're running. They know Wait, what and, you're doing. And the one point I'll make is the one time Brady really hung in the pocket and looked downfield, he's found a wide open Jalen Darden for 29 yards, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. He, I mean, he, he knew he knew on that touchdown to Mike Evans that he had Evans one-on-one. All he had to do was stare at the free safety, which he did, hold him in place so he couldn't get over in coverage, and that was a touchdown. But really outside of the throw to Darden and the uh, the 40-yard touchdown catch to, to Mike Evans, I mean, Brady did not challenge anything down the field. Right. And, and, and that, was, that was a bit alarming because, because yeah. this – and I'll tell you what, too. We, we, saw, we saw Bruce Arians a little – Frustrated, right, with Brady in the, in the press conference. You could see that the reason why is is because Arians' offense is vertical, right? It's a vertical-based passing attack. And sometimes against cover two, the, the defense is not going to allow you to do that all the time. And I think Arians yeah. can get impatient too, right? He can get impatient yeah, watching the game. Come on, like, like throw down the field and stuff because that's what he yeah. wants. That's how his offense is designed. And so I think between, between Washington not allowing – as many opportunities down the field. And then Brady hesitant to pull the trigger on a couple of those. And again, we'll have to go back to the all 22 and see which plays, which downfield targets he missed. Mm. You know, it was just was right. frustration all over the board. Yeah. It was, it was less about misfires and more about stuff that we can't see until we get the tape. Yeah. Arians will say a lot of things after games. I really don't like the <laughs> interception. For example. I don't, I don't put a lot of stock <laughs> in it until I see the tape. If I actually yeah. think he missed opportunities down the field, we'll see. I don't think that that's been the case very often with yeah. Brady when Arians kind of implied it at the beginning of last season. Um, right. You know, when that was a quote unquote issue, most of the time it was because the, the, what they were calling was matched up horribly with the coverages they were getting and Brady was making the right decisions to go underneath. It just weren't flashy. That just right. wasn't, you know, wasn't what Arians want. You can want something all you want, but how Arians got 30 interceptions from his other quarterbacks. And I'm not just talking about James. I'm talking yeah. about Carson Palmer always throwing picks was guys doing exactly what he wanted them to do all the time, which is throwing the ball the deep when field, it wasn't yeah. open, right? So there's there's that give and take. And I think those two are fine. I I thought Arians was just frustrated about the loss more than yeah, anything. No yeah, I mean, definitely made a couple comments here and there. Well, we'll see. Arians does that. I, there's not much veiled with Arians. I think yeah. he's just venting out. So I, I'm not a, a, much worried about those guys. I am just more worried about the offense, like continuing to make things hard for themselves. The penalties are one thing, Scott, and the drops are another thing. I'm not, like I said, the only thing I'm really not worried about moving forward I, more than anything is Brady. I'm not really worried about Brady. I know no, he's going to play moving either. forward. I'm mostly worried about the play calling. I, I, I'm well, worried about so many first down runs and so little play action. It's just a bad process. Well, I'll say this at the same time. Brady's got the ability to audible and check out of a run or check check into a run or or, or change the play. Like he yeah. can do that. He has that that um you know that stature now in year two that in the command of the offense he can do that so some of this is maybe the initial play calling maybe it's brady trusting um byron Leftwich too much we've already seen him wave off a play call right on tv like he can do that um so 
Um, I'm not going to put all of that on, on Byron Leftwich, Tom. Yeah, but those years audibles league, don't typically happen on first down either. And, and, no, no, and especially you're right. They, they don't, but at the same time, though, it's a responsibility of the quarterback. If he sees something, I mean, if you're going to run the ball and you're running it into, a, into the box and they're overloading one side that you're going to run to, yeah, but that, like you're obligated yeah. to check out of that. Point. I just don't know if those are normally the concerns. I think the concerns more that they're just not a great rushing football team. I know they want to be, and they could be if they ran less on the most predictable down. I agree. The ball. Predictability That's where, is yeah. definitely uh, a key. I'm okay with the lack it. of rushing success. Yeah. I agree. I just wish they ran it less on first down. That's I wish they distributed you're preaching the choir. You know what I mean? I, right. I, I totally agree. Right. But uh, we've but talked the, about this before. It's the, the, that the to other, me is the most sustainable error. Yeah. The other thing too, though, is is the self-inflicted wounds. And, and even though today it wasn't a situation where the penalties were alarming, like with you know ten or eleven for hundred yards, six penalties for forty-three yards. But it was the the opportune, the I should say, the inopportune times of which they they happen. And it's that when you start the game. With O.J. Howard getting a false start on the very first play, it just it's yep. ridiculous. Yeah, and, and he, here's the thing. Um, and I, I said this on at halftime uh, on the broadcast, so I'll be brief on our Pewter Game Day broadcast. At, at this point in time, ten weeks into the season, this is not like Week Five where you know the, the Bears game happened and the Bucks came together and they got it under control. It's out of control this year. And until Bruce Arians does something, listen, I am all in favor of anybody saying this one's on the coaches. The coaches are, you know, are need to be held accountable. At the end of the day, um, coaches get fired, players don't, right? The buck stops with the coaches. At the same time, I've yet to see Todd Bowles jump off sides. I've yet to see Byron Leftwich have a false start. Having said that, they're responsible to, for their players. But we're not talking about rookies. We're talking about O.J. Howard, a fifth-year player, in his contract year, starting because mm-hmm. he knows he's starting because Rob Gronkowski is not out there. We're talking, about in, we're, we're talking about Indomitian Sue, right, who has you know, played uh, since, what, 2009, uh, 2010 yeah. in this league, right? Um, not watching the ball. Will Golston not watching the ball. We've seen Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett not watch the ball. It's not hard. At some point in time, um, and listen, Shaq Barrett today with zero tackles. He had one quarterback hit, zero tackles, zero invisible. sacks. Jason Pierre-Paul, also invisible with one tackle. When Anthony Nelson plays fewer snaps than you and has four tackles and a sack, that's not a good look if you're making yeah. double-digit millions like Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett are. Having said that, the Bucks at this point in time have got to do something to, to drive the message home to these veteran players who are making these mistakes. This is not Jalen Darden having a false start here. This is O.J. Howard. Right. So the thing to do is is when it's first and 15, you sit O.J.'s ass on, on the, the bench for the first quarter and say, you're you're done. You're benched for the first quarter. Because you know mm-hmm. what? If yeah. you're Bruce Arians and you can, you can bench Ronald Jones for fumbling and not even having him see the rest of the game against the Cowboys in week one, then you better start holding your other players accountable. Otherwise, these mistakes are going to continue to happen. O.J. Howard has had yeah. multiple false starts this year. And Dominic has had multiple neutral zone and encroachment penalties, whatever. You bench Dominic Sue. You say, Nacho, you're getting in there. You're playing every single snap of this quarter. And Dominic will see you in the second quarter or the third quarter, whatever it is. But you gotta, you got to bench these players, even the veterans, for a series or two or a quarter to drive the point home because these are stupid penalties, just like Bruce Arians said. I call them idiot penalties. 
idiot penalties, stupid penalties, whatever. This is a dumb football team. Bruce Arians is right, and ultimately he's responsible for it since he's the head coach. Yeah, that's the tricky part, right? You know, everybody always wonders where do you assign penalties? And over the course of a specific game, I, I assign them to the players when it's a cultural issue, which it is clearly for Tampa Bay, right? I mean, they cleaned up yeah. things a little bit last year down the stretch. It was a big part of what happened, but led the league in penalties in Arians' first year, 2019. Were I think leading the league through a good chunk of last year, maybe first quarter of last year, something like that. First third of the season last year, I think, um, were among the league leaders in penalties. Got it cleaned up a little bit for sure, got better. But then this year, now you're at the top of the league again in penalties, and we'll see penalty yards. There were six in this game, so it wasn't, you know, they, they cleaned up in the second half, but yeah, who cares? Like you've already shot yourselves in the foot. You know, they did all the all the shooting of themselves in the foot in the first half. And then the second half, defense just got owned on that that touchdown drive at the end of the game. That was the uh, ten that's ten minutes of your second half. Like, yeah. There's not a lot of stories to write here. Ten no. minutes of the second half was the defense get absolutely pulverized in a 19 play drive. It's just it is kind of all that it is. Like there's not a lot to say in that perspective from that perspective. But you're exactly right. Then what do you say then, Scott, when the penalties or a three-year issue, then does it, especially when they're pre-snap, right? We offensively, it's been all over the place, right? 2019 was bad. 2020 was fine. You know, you're not working with the crowd. Maybe that's right. why 2021's been bad again. Offensive pre-snap penalties, defensive pre-snap penalties have been an issue all three years. They are either leading the league or among the top couple teams in the league in neutral zone infractions and defensive offsides in 2019, 2020, 2021. I'm not sure. It just move Pete, just me. Pooh Shimmy says Golston really jumped off sides when Washington football team obviously included. We're not going to go for it. Gave them a free first down. I I am I'm confused of it because to me, yeah, like individually, the players need to own responsibility for what happened in this game. But how can we not say penalties are also a coaching issue at this point in a lot of ways with the Bucks because the focus and attention to detail isn't there. And that's been pretty consistent over the three years that Arians has been head coach of this team. Yeah. Well, if you go back to 2019, the Bucks led the league in penalties. It was a problem. Yeah, it's a problem right. the first five games of 2020, and they miraculously got it turned around. But it was better. Yeah. From week better. one on, right, with, with 11 penalties against the Cowboys in week one, it has been an issue outside of what one game this year. So, yeah. And the other part of this, too, is the fact that they're not getting any calls. Like it still continues. Yeah, they entered the game just with 38 penalties in their yeah. favor all season. They had 59 just themselves, 38 penalties all year against opponents. Today, just three by Washington. One was that egregious face mask where Evans actually got whipped down off yes. on, uh, out of bounds by the face. Nobody's going to miss that. But right. a clear third down hold on Cam Brate that spun them all the way around. That was uh, would have put them in Washington field field uh, Washington side of the field um, was left uncalled. Bucks end up punting. You know that was a, a potential scoring drive. That again, I, I'm not saying the Bucks are excused from the way they played at all. Right. I think we're clear about that so far. But that's an, an egregious one for the officials. There were a couple others too. This wasn't nearly as bad as the Saints game. Obviously, yeah. you do wonder when that part of it's going to come back around. But offensively in this one, so this wasn't the Saints game where you rolled up. You know, 375 yards of passing and you had over 400 some yards total in the game and there were lots of right. positives this was pretty much this was the worst easily the worst offensive game the bucks have played this season not even close in my opinion yeah. and there were some real concerns with how they got there that overshadow whatever the officials and, and the penalties uh, offered exactly we'll talk about the defense in a second but we're going to bring in casey hudson right now to to get her take on on what uh what you saw out there from from an offensive standpoint um 
Aside from not enough points, right? I mean, again, 19 <laughs> points. This team has yet to score 30 points. That's the magic number, right? If you're going to beat a good team, the reason why I say that is because, I mean, Washington put up 29, right? You got to have 30 to win. So that's horrific. The Buccaneers fail to score 30 points in a road game. Bruce mm-hmm. Arian said, yeah, you look at the margin of victory. It's There's something really going wrong on the road. The Buccaneers last year, Casey, four games where they scored 30 points or more on the road, including some blowout wins of some bad mm-hmm. teams, Carolina, Detroit, the Raiders, right? And that's just not happening this year. We're seeing more losses than wins now. On the road. Yeah. And I don't know if we can be just put on the whole road game versus home situation. It was an overall just completely – terrible performance and mm-hmm. there's there's you can kind of go both ways on this one i think at some points in some plays tom brady's experience is outplaying his receivers and in the same sense these receivers are just unable to maintain what he's throwing at them i mean the drops have gotten ridiculous now they've had two years with each other they had a full training camp every you know excuse that they had in the book last year that said we're going to be that much better well they had that opportunity and it's not really presenting itself so that's the only reason why I start leaning towards the play calling situation. They are becoming an extremely predictable team. It's terrible when you can see fans on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and in the chat saying, you know, they're going to run the ball on first down and they run the ball on mm-hmm. first down. Whether or not Leonard Fournette is progressive when he make, you know hits that first down and does well with it, it doesn't mean that that's the only thing that you have to do. When's the last time you've seen the Bucks actually put together a quality trick play? You're seeing other head coaches in the league do more than just the typical play calling. And I understand that they're one of those teams that like to go back to fundamentals. They talk about getting back to the basics, but at some point or another, you've got to do something different. You know what, Casey, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Sometimes you need a spark. Sometimes you need something to get, to get your guys going. Sometimes you need to manufacture points, right? We see Sean Payton do that all the time with the saints, right? Which makes him one of the best in the league. That's right. The creativity. I will say this. When Bruce Arians said that this team lacks energy and passion i really now that i think about it i don't think he was talking about the defense mm-hmm. i think he was talking about the offense the offense looked very lifeless looked disjointed yep. you didn't see any emotion really from any offensive player whatsoever um on the defensive side of the ball you saw some emotion right devin white was typical devin white in that regards antoine winfield jordan white these guys were for better or worse there. yeah <laughs> these guys were passionate now that passion was gone on that 10 minute drive right that's for yeah. sure but when you look yeah. at, at, the, at the time of possession in this game, um, it, it, it's – listen, football, what I love about it is it's the ultimate team sport, right? Mm-hmm. And part of time of possession is not just the defense getting off the field. Part of, of the time of possession sometimes is the offense staying on the field and, and finishing drives with, with scores, with touchdowns. We just saw too many three and outs by the Buccaneers. They completed 40% or converted um, 40% of their third downs into first downs. Meanwhile, Washington was just about 60%. So, um, you know, the time of possession advantage, 39 minutes and eight seconds to 20 minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, it's just as much on on the offense, uh, not getting things going and, and having drive stall and, and having Bradley Pinion have to come on and punt the ball as it was about the defense not being able to get off the field. Yeah, and I'm not worried about the Bucks' offense playing this poorly moving forward. I don't think Agreed. that's going to happen. We've not seen any sustained struggles for their offense, really. I mean, even last year, maybe you want maybe in the Chiefs, especially game, at home, John. They're averaging 40.5 points per game at home. It's going to be a different yeah, story, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm money that against the Giants. 
I think so. Yeah. I I think offensively, again, there's a lot of answers here. Everybody played bad. That's not going to happen. Like I said, I think it's the first time this year that they, that really everything that's happened with everybody. The other side, the other side of this uh, is, and I'll I'll, let me address this $5 super check offense and then we'll go to defense. But uh, Ted Curtis says, I lost my mind if they ran the screen to Godwin to the left for the 10th time. Yeah. It's one of their answers when teams are playing off and playing and get playing coverage the way that they are against the Bucs and playing deep, but they've got to have more answers because uh, teams are starting to key on on them, and, and that's becoming a problem too because it was one of the big things they started going to, but it hasn't worked the way that it should. But It's funny, I'm though. Much more, yeah. It's funny. In 2019, Bruce Arians' first year, I asked him, I said, uh, uh, there, was, there was a play that was run by uh, one of the former running backs, uh, uh, Logan. Uh, he caught like a like a TJ Logan, yeah, TJ Logan, a little outlet pass for 11 yards, picked up a first down. And I asked Bruce Aarons in a press conference back in 2019. I said, uh, just curious, like that play worked. Why didn't she go back to it? He's like, oh, uh, we we never call the same play twice. You can't do that in this league. Defenses are too smart. I'm like, that wide receiver screen to Chris Godwin. I could have sworn <laughs> I saw that like three or four times today. Yeah, right? I mean, like, if come you, on if now. You're- if you're dressing Don't be telling up stories, Bruce. Or... Don't be stories. I will say called... this, though. I mentioned it to John in the pregame, is that if you look at last uh, – the game, I keep saying last year, but the wild card game, in my opinion, <laughs> Ryan Zuckup was almost the MVP of that game. He had four field goals. So there was a lot of moments where the offense did – they were struggling yeah. and they were caught Gross. off guard by Washington where they had to rely on the field goal. And then you have this guy yeah. miss the extra point today and you don't get him in field goal range. You don't find yourself in good field positioning. So a part of me wasn't expecting a lot of points to be put up just because Washington couldn't sneak up on them. Where I was frustrated is that Washington wasn't supposed to be as strong defensively and they basically just kind of spoon-fed them that. Yeah. yeah. And suck up has missed i think matt said it today it was a good stat that he found i think he missed a kick in five of nine games this season or something like that so yeah. i mean worth noting anyway it obviously wasn't the reason they lost today but it right. could have been the reason they lost if the defense hadn't taken that reason from Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> let's just talk about the de- i can't let's talk about the defense i, I can't let's with the defense it. dude like and let's talk let me <laughs> let, first let me do before i get super angry i'm gonna talk about some things to make me happy to try to bring me back down to earth and i'll talk about first our friends at living golf life unbelievable stuff i'm actually gonna hold that i'm gonna i'm gonna wear the hat the rest of this pod why not what the heck why not uh living golf life uh some they're designing some awesome apparel the polos you can see them there are terrific uh the hats i love the hats they got new stuff coming out as well livinggolflife.com check out what they got get out on the course this week i don't care if it's a little bit cold i guess cold for you florida people i don't know (laughs) to me this is great (laughs) to me this is great but if you're getting out on the course this week to blow off steam after this ridiculous debacle of a loss do it with livinggolflife.com and look look freaking good while you do it unlike with the bucks and yeah. what they look like John, look let's good. see that look, hat. lean I, in a little bit let's look see good that. right now That's a good go. hat. look good can you yes. see it yeah you can see it there you go <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's why that's my plug for a living golf life. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you again, if you go, if you need a, if you need an icy cold beverage tonight, you know, for, okay, make sure you that. drink responsibly, but go over to whiskey wing sports bar and grill. Great place to watch the game tonight mm-hmm. in temple terrace. Uh, you can watch the chiefs Raiders Sunday night game, or you can watch Monday night football out there or the weekend games, uh, the college football games on the weekend. Lots of great stuff. Wing, wh- whiskey wings on uh, temple terrace. They got a great, sports bar they got outdoor indoor bar they got great food great service it's an awesome spot to watch the game tons of screens so make sure you head on over there great location to watch the game we'll be out there at some points uh throughout this pre-game post-game we'll have lots of 
doing some shows out there. So we're looking forward to bringing those to you as well with our friends over at Whiskey Wings. All right, let's talk about this defensive performance because, guys, this was, oh, my gosh. Like, from the beginning of the game, I know they were putting some tough situations during the game, but how in the world does Tanky Washington go 11 of 19 on third down and then two for two on fourth down? That is so embarrassing. Washington yeah. came into this game 27th in the NFL in third down offense. They had, they had not scored more than 13 points in over a month of playing football. They looked worse and worse every single week, and yet Todd Bowles did it again, man. He, he manages to make life so easy for opposing <laughs> quarterbacks with how many short completions are left wide open, his yeah. reluctance to go to man coverage until late in the game when it's too late, and then – you know, to, to not even, I don't know if I would say it's the Bulls' credit, but he goes to man covers late in the game, and Jamal Dean has a chance to break up a pass and can't do it. Antoine Winfield, a great position, but somehow Antoine, Antonio Gibson makes the catch on him for another contested catch. So go went to it late in the game, but again, it's too late at that point. The embarrassment had already happened, and, and it was just ridiculous. What to watch. Started I don't early. think it's the I individuals. D Delaney like, had a chance, right? I mean, right there, you know, in the uh, in the end zone, he got beat so bad on this he play. The fact that it was even yeah. close by the end was a testament yep. to how much Heineke <laughs> underthrew it and how late the ball was. Because if you watch the replay, there's a good yes. seven yards of separation <laughs> when Heineke throws no it. The defense just off, they got outplayed, and it started with yeah. the interior. Heineke should not have had as much time as he had in the pocket almost every single play. I mean, the guy had all day to make a decision, and the pressure was weak. It was so weak. Well, and I mean, you're, you're talking about we, you're talking about backup center Tyler Larson. You're talking about Brandon Sheriff, you know, who left the game due to injury, right? I mean, it's like this is a banged up offensive line. Yes. Well, yeah, the listen. Well, listen this, to that. But most of the sacks came from when he started scrambling yeah. out of the pocket, exactly. not, the, yeah. not them having yeah. the strength to actually get inside and make the play. And then that's worst still pass rush. I mean, worst I pass rush from a five sack game I've ever seen. I was yeah, yeah, I agree crapping on him three games ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I John, John, you just said it. Those five sacks were probably the most inconsequential sacks that I've seen in a long time they, in they the grand scheme of things. Yeah, they allowed Washington to overcome basically all of them. Yeah, you know, well, three you, in the first half. You had, you had two sacks on one drive that killed that drive that forced a punt, a rare punt by Washington. Otherwise, yeah. the sacks were, were were largely inconsequential. You know, and it was nice to see Devin White finally get home and, yeah. and beat a beat a back to, uh, you know, to make a sack and, and actually not miss. Um, Taylor Heineke. Nunes Roches. <laughs> we talk about his uh, whiff. Wow. Tryon Chuinka ended up with a sack. That's how bad these yes. sack numbers, how deceiving they were. Yeah. Tryon Chuinka ended up with a sack, a like one and a half yard sack right. on a play where Heineke slid down out of the pocket. Yeah, on a play where Rakeem Nunes Roches point blank had him, him for like yeah. down, back at midfield. And they yeah. end up getting, they end up, score, they end up sustaining that drive and scoring. It ended up being a one yard loss instead of a yeah. eight or nine yard loss on Rakeem yeah. Nunes Roches sack. Listen, at the end of the day, your stars have to shine, right? Shaq Barrett, I've, I've sung the guy's praises. He's been their best player on defense so far. That's not saying much because today that $17 million man was invisible. And Jason Pierre-Paul, listen, if he's hurt, he's ineffective, whatever, then you can't play him. I mean, he had one tackle today. He missed what could have been a possible sack. Instead, he allowed uh, Heineke to get outside the pocket and run for, I believe, a first down in the first half. And I don't understand why you draft a pass rusher 32nd overall and you drop Joe Tryon Shoinka 
so much in coverage. I saw Anthony Nelson and Joe Tryon-Schoenke in coverage so much today oh, that man. I literally about vomited. <laughs> I, I literally like had like the upchuck feeling. I saw Vita like, Van. What am I doing again? That's my favorite. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, see, Todd Bowles to me is is an old dog without new tricks. Like that's just what it, it is. Like Blitzes it really have been is. solved. People know he's going to yeah. drop his edges into coverage. They haven't come close to you know catching the ball, making plays, anything like that. They know how to combat him. He doesn't change up what he does nearly enough. Um, now he's tried to play more man coverage at times over the last month, but they don't have the talent either to do that a ton. I mean, to their credit, they've actually risen in past defense from thirty second to. Yeah, one hundred. I mean, to nineteen or whatever they are now. Bad but quarterbacks, yeah, too, exactly right. right. That's right. Do you have any Joe doubt what's going to happen when they play a good quarterback and a good receiving court? I have no yeah. doubt they'll yeah. get shredded. It'll be the thing that I saw though is the middle of the field was just where Washington completely exposed them once again. They were That's getting tight ends in the middle. They were getting wide receivers open after. Again, Heineke had all day to make a decision, and I don't know why that's just Casey, opening up so much for them. But they're you're getting exactly good. right. You know, what I was thinking when before that that final nail in the coffin from Terry McLaurin, mm -hmm. I was thinking Jamel Dean, you might want to get some inside positioning because he's going to go for the slant, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you've got a wide receiver on, on the short side of the field, playing inside technique would force the quarterback to hit the, the fly down the sidelines and you still have a chance to recover if you're a long cornerback like Dean is, but to give up the, you know, to, to take an outside release and, a, and allow the receiver to come inside you for that quick slant. That's so predictable. And I just could not believe, and I don't know if that's just a technique thing. If that's, if that's the way Jamel Dean was, was schooled to play that particular down and distance. But the first thing I'm thinking on third and third and six, third and seven was, like here comes the slant. I mean, it's coming, and Dean had no chance to to defend it. And it wasn't like he was beating like a drum. He was right inside uh, McLaurin's hip pocket, but yeah. the I'll ball was going inside, and Dean was on the outside. It had no chance of yeah. being broken up. He looked I'll, a little I'll give some... in coverage today too, though. I will yeah. say he did not have the same confidence, or you know, at least exterior on him like he did a, a game or two ago. Dean kind of looked well. His missed tackle. His missed yeah. tackle was one of the worst plays of the game, to be honest, defensively. Like, what was that? I'm going to find that down in distance, actually, <laughs> because it was like – It's not funny, but, yeah, it was terrible. Third and, <clears throat> yeah, it was like 16, I want to say, something like that. Yeah. I'm going to find the exact play because I want to make sure we point it out. But it was – it might have been on the touchdown drive. I'm trying to remember now. Third and 14. Yeah, third and 14. He had McKissick tackled for a two – I mean, it was right there for a one two-yard yeah. gain in the flat and he totally blew the tackle. McKissick gets 11, puts him in fourth and three. They complete a pass for four yards. They go on and they score a touchdown on that drive. So yes. that was an, if they, he makes that tackle, right. it's a long field goal. Field. Time. No yeah. chance they're going for it on fourth, right. but because he didn't and everybody's all defense gets up third and 11, but that was at the 39 yard line of the box. He makes that tackle at the 37 where it should yep. have been 38. That might not even be a field goal. That might be literally no points on that drive. For yeah. Washington, if that's the situation, I mean, they have had kicking woes of their own this season. So, right. I, I really don't think that's probably any points if he makes that tackle where he should make it. That missed tackle, everybody's all oh, this, this, and this games swing on a couple plays. That's Giovanni right. Bernard dropping what could have been a touchdown or at least a fourth and one. Yep, that game swing on that, and then you that's give right. up a touchdown because of a Dean missed tackle. You know, that that's the and kind John, of stuff that just those little things are doing them well. We're talking about tackles, right? And listen, Devin Whitehead, a, a very productive game. 
I'm not going to say good game. I'm just going to say productive. He he did some good, he did some good he things. Did. People know he I'm did. a big I'm very critical. Yeah. This was yeah. his probably his best tackles, game of the year. Career high for him. Two sacks. He finally got home and wrapped up. So listen, I'm going to give Devin White the props. I put him on the most impressive list. Same with Levante David. A key signature Levante David forced fumble, punching the ball out right there, as you see on the the screen. And 14 tackles from Levante, right? We hadn't seen that many tackles from him since 2017. So two very productive linebackers today. But the problem is the difference between tackles and plays. And any of you you longtime Buccaneer fans remember Barrett Rude used to back up all the, the tackles, right? He would rack them up big time. But the problem is Barrett didn't make enough plays. And I think that's kind of what Levante was saying today in the press conference was – they didn't make enough plays. Plays are the plays on third down. It's the tackle short of the line to gain. It's the pass breakup. Uh, it's it's the coverage that forces a sack to get off the field. And mm-hmm. the reason why Devin White had 18 tackles and the reason why Levante David had 14 tackles is they didn't get off the field. Washington kept getting first downs, so these guys would, would have an opportunity to pick up two more tackles in this drive, two more tackles on the next drive. Two more tackles in the next drive as they march down the field, not drive, I'm sorry, a series from first down to another first down, another first down, et cetera, all the way down the field. So, like, yes, they did a reasonable, well job of making the tackles. They filled up the stat sheet, but both of those guys didn't make enough plays. They weren't the only ones. We already talked you about want to hear, some of the guys at the front. You want to hear one of the most ridiculous stats from this game? The Bucks had five sacks and 11 tackles for loss yeah 11 tackles for loss so we talk about creating negative plays right that was something we harped on all by week if this defense can't create negative plays yeah then they're gonna keeps are gonna stay in third and three whatever it is they created negative plays today and still got destroyed that's right like that's to me like i don't know how you get away from that in terms of it being like a large portion yep. of that being on coaching because you have down you have to be able to drop the right stuff in those right. situations to keep teams from getting back into advantageous field position. They just can't do it. They can't close the door when they got teams yeah. in second and third and long. It's a huge problem. And how many times did Washington lose yardage on first down, then convert on third yeah. and short? Got killed. Well, that's on the said, their stats aren't even that flashy. I mean, Gibson only had, I think, like 64 rushing yards and then McLaren had under 60 or under 70 receiving yards. Yeah. So yeah. from the look of the game, you would have thought that those numbers would have been almost doubled. But if you right. look at the stats of it, that just tells you how poorly those situations were managed because they weren't doing these outstanding plays. Right. They were you're, just making the most of those yeah. Just enough, just enough to get that first down, just enough to get into field goal range, just enough to make the kick, just mm-hmm. enough to, you know, to to keep the ball on that last that last yeah. uh, possession. You know, it, that last one was terrible. It was, yeah. I was heartbreaking to watch that clock. Now, now, now listen, I'm I'm not letting the Bucks off the hook here by any means. But the one thing I will say, and this this ring, this really rings true to me. It's something Warren Sapp told me at the beginning of the season. He said the biggest problem that we had and trying to defend our Super Bowl in 2003 that we weren't ready for was we were going to get everybody's best shot. Everybody. The teams that were going to be in the top five or ten the next year drafting, that was their Super Bowl, playing the the 2002 Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. Today was the Washington football team Super Bowl. This is a team that might win five or six games. That's it, right? Right. 
But mm-hmm. but today was their Super Bowl. It was Tom Brady, it was Mike Evans, it was Shaq Barrett, it was Levante David and Devin White coming to their place. This was their Super Bowl. And they played like they wanted to be at the Super Bowl champs today, and they did. So that's the one thing you've got to come every every week to play. And uh, John, uh, saw you in a Twitter war with somebody. This this is not an infectious upset oh going around. That and yeah. that's not the only person. I don't even know who. The, yeah, yeah, but that, and I don't want to make. But that's actually like a thing. I've saw many comments of that it's saying that oh. Everybody's losing upset, it's right? Parody. That has nothing to do yes. with the box. Like the, whether other teams are getting upset or not is unrelated to Tampa Bay. That's not Correct. those upsets are not affecting. It's a coincidence all those things happening in the same. As the weeks. oldest guy on the podcast at age forty nine, <laughs> I've seen more football than both of you. Okay, and I'll I'll, I'll say this: um, the term "any given Sunday" was not coined in twenty twenty one, folks. Yeah. It's been around for a while, and the reason sure. it's been around for a while is because upsets have been around for a while. This is nothing new. This is kind of coincidental, yeah. but you're right, John. The, the Buccaneers had nothing to do with with the Ravens losing on Thursday night, right? That, that, that's right. that's not it. It's unrelated. It's right. it's a silly but, thing. We draw these narratives as fans to help us yes. cope, but it's not logical. <laughs> like, that's exactly that's, right. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, we look at it, we feel better because other teams also suck, and that may right. be true. And if you were talking about the boxing context with the rest of the NFL, it's a different conversation. We'll have that conversation before yep. the end of this podcast. But the Bucks in their vacuum, they are playing like frauds right now. That's what they are. Like to me, there's no way the level of play that they have shown for a lot of this season, but especially lately can continue. If they're going to be taken seriously as a Super Bowl contender, they're not better than other teams. If you want to bring other teams into it, but they're not even close to what they can be either. Casey, Mm -hmm. you've watched every game this year, just like we have. Okay. Did the Rams not want to beat the Super Bowl champs in week three? Absolutely. Right. Because they were the Super Bowl champs, the Rams said, we want to be where you are. We want to have the Super Bowl right here in L.A., and, and we're coming for you. And they did. There were the Saints, after getting you know stomped in the playoffs, they wanted revenge. They wanted to take the shot at the Buccaneers yeah. and, and dethrone the champs. Did they yep. not? Absolutely. And you know that everybody wants to take their, their social media shots and wear their crowns after beating the Super Bowl champions and making it seem like they're that much better because they did so. So I agree with the fact that they're isolated incidents as if they just happen to be happening at the same time when these upsets take place. But right. at the end of the day, Washington just played better football than the Bucks did. And that's yeah, what they, they didn't down beat themselves. They didn't every, beat themselves. Every loss. That's why I don't they... put it too much on home or away. It's just like they played a better game they came out hungrier that was my theme this entire week is who was actually going to be hungrier the team that needs to break their losing streak or the team that wanted to redeem their loss versus their in-division rival today was the team that had four consecutive losses and they couldn't walk they couldn't really walk off that field and have another one and that was more that meant trevor simeon and taylor heineke beat this bucks defense and back-to-back weeks that's right. I mean, that real. That, that to me is that's the that's biggest damning. concern, right? Like, yeah, Daniel Jones is coming up next. He's not good, but I don't know if that even matters. Yeah, and, and there's that's a few a huge things problem. that I'm now slightly concerned about after watching how this all went out. And I know everyone's like, "Don't be dramatic." There's starters coming back, and so on and so forth. Well, yeah, even with the talent on the field, there's guys who happen to make plays work, but there's certain play calling that has to change if these if this team is going to have the right the right demeanor to be champions, to get to the off season. I mean, they're going to the off season, but to actually contend in the off season, because the Colts are five and five, they can easily sneak on the the box like this and 
to walk away with the W. The Giants beat the Saints at home. For some reason, the Giants just have these random fleeting games where they happen to do well or just enough. And then the Panthers, Cam Newton, going back to the Panthers, you don't think that everybody's high on that right now. And then they just beat the Cardinals and the guy got in the end zone twice on his first game back. Mm. Tampa has a target on their back. You don't think these teams are going to want to. That's what I'm telling you. Sap said it the best. It's it's hard to go from being the hunter to the hunted, right? Mm-hmm. It, you're not used to wearing the bullseye. You're not, and 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 uh, you know, right now, I think the Bucks are struggling with that, and that's why you're seeing guys like Trevor Simeon and Taylor Heineke. And I'll tell you what, John, I watched Daniel Jones come in here in 2019 and beat the Buccaneers um, in his first NFL start at Raymond James Stadium. And yeah. I'll tell you what, for whatever reason, the Giants gave the Bucks fits on Monday Night Football last year. You saw that as well as I did. And- yeah, um, and if Jones hadn't had maybe one of his worst quarterback his games of his career, then they would have easily won because he missed correct. Show, yep. throw after throw after throw yes. after throw in that game. He threw some he picks was right to Tampa Bay. Yes. Yeah. And yet that was yeah. a game that he, went down to a, a broken up two point conversion right. by Antoine yeah. Winfield. So no, I am uh I, I'm not pressing the panic button right now, but I am no. not like like you know, laughing off these losses. These are there's some right. legitimate serious issues going on. That the Bucks need to fix in a hurry from the mm-hmm. coaching staff as well as the players. Yeah. And it's one thing if that loss comes, the Saints, good football team, even if they yeah. were not as good as the Bucs and should not have won that game. Officials made so many egregious calls. It was <clears throat> it was a very weird game. There's fluky things like that happen. I get it to a degree that it happens, it's not sustainable, blah, blah, blah. But then you go out against a team that is objectively just bad and had right. plenty of injuries. Chase Young, Brandon Scherf got hurt in this game, McLaurin was out for a while in this game. Yeah key players on a team right. that does not have many key players and it you didn't still matter. let this happen. <laughs> yeah. Matter. The way that it happened, that's really, that's the part that gets you like, because they created yeah. the negative plays defensively and they still gave it up. That's right. really concerning moving forward for that side of the football. So now, there was, here's, was some good news. Let's go back to the context here. Yeah. Go back to some good news. NFC South. So the Bucks lose at Washington. They're still atop the division six and three is their mark. Uh, because the Titans did this, the, the Bucks a favor, uh, knocking off the Saints in Tennessee, 23-21. The Saints now fall to five and four. So that was that was a, a nice save by by uh, Jason Light's good buddy John uh, Robinson out there in Tennessee. The Panthers they picked up a win in Arizona. Boy, Colt McCoy is no Kyler Murray, right? So now the Cardinals <laughs> have lost two without Kyler Murray. Um, I'm shocked that playing without Cole, winning without Cole McCoy and DeAndre Hopkins is sustainable for the Cardinals. That was right. <laughs> so the Panthers, though, they're five and five. Um, you know, you don't want to give you know young teams some confidence. Like Casey said, we'll see how Cam Newton does when he gets back. The Falcons lose at Dallas. They fall to four and six after getting just drubbed, forty-three to three. But you know what? <laughs> that that Bucks rematch against Atlanta is going to be in Atlanta. Tampa Bay struggles to play there, right? They were down 17 nothing last year at halftime, had to storm back and win that game 31-27. We've yet to see this Bucks team score 30 points on the road. I don't know if they can do it again this year. We'll have to see. But the Cowboys and, and Packers win today. The Cardinals, however, lose. So that's that's kind of what happened in, in the NFC. And, um, you know, so it wasn't all bad news for the Buccaneers. They, they didn't lose any ground really in the NFC South. With the Cardinals losing, John, what does that do for Tampa Bay um, yeah. in terms of the playoff positioning? 
I mean, that brings all, uh, you know, the Cowboys, Packers, Cardinals, they've all, and Rams, they all have two losses. Obviously, the Bucks are behind them, but those teams, you know, I'm sure that, you know, you talk about a team that has to lose twice more, and then you'll see about the tiebreaker the rest of the way. Okay. I mean, Bucks can certainly win out. It's right there for them, but they just, mm-hmm. again, like, I, it's hard for me to take them seriously when they play like this. Uh, you know, it's all controllable. I don't think that there's anything that, that would, there's no issue so significant on this team that would keep them from losing again in the regular season, losing losing in the postseason. Absolutely, they could they could have some of the issues that they have that are not that are not penalty, not turnover, not dumb mistake related, that are not just shooting themselves in the foot related, and they could they could still win despite those things. It's the others, the shooting yourselves in the foot. They, that stuff can't continue. They will lose two more games maybe if they keep doing that kind of stuff. This will be a six loss team, which would be an embarrassment for the regular season. The Bucks really should not be worse than a three loss team. You know, now you're looking at it. You're like, well, with this one, they might lose at least one more the rest of the way. They could lose more than that. I'm saying the optimists would probably even say they probably lose one more and finish as, as a 13 or 14. We'll see Scott. I don't know. I don't know Casey, if that's going to happen, but right now it looks like that's probably best case scenario. I still think they can be a team that wins out. You know, I know that that's in their wheelhouse. They are, in my opinion, the most talented it's team in the them, NFL. Right? Yeah. It's right. Up to them. But it's absolutely up to them. To Coaches better, and players to not beat themselves be with penalties and turnovers. That's what they got to do. Yeah. Because the yeah, biggest concern, at least for me, is the fact that they've performed so much better against harder secondaries. And Washington just kind of had their name on their tape today. It was just <clears throat> something's got to give, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. We got to get the game balls. I know it's going to be hard to think of something, and uh, <laughs> I already have no idea what I'm going to say, but Matt's out tonight. JC's out tonight for the show, so it's just the three of us. So let's get to these Manscaped game balls. Your balls will thank you. Scott, that means it's time for us to talk about the Performance Package 4.0, which is maybe the most popular time computer pod show all week amongst fans because be. they know. They understand the importance of being Manscaped. They get it. And I'm not just talking about footballs. I mean your balls. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, want you to shave your pubes with the Tom Brady of ball trimmers, the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. Here's what's in the 4.0 package. Here we go. Ready? The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which Scott is showing you there. Travel lock, waterproof, all kinds of good things. It's got a great light on there. It's clean, comfortable, close, comfortable shave, all the above. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. The Crop Reviver Toner. Plus two free gifts. The Performance Boxer Briefs. And the Shed Travel Bag. Great stuff from Manscaped. Here's how you can get it. Are you ready? You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code Pewter20. P-E-W-T-E-R 20. You can type that in at manscaped.com. Get this package, this performance package 4.0, 20% off plus free shipping. Get all of the items that we listed above. And you can also get yourself a Peter Report t-shirt, I hear, Scott. That's right. We got them in white, black, gray. These are awesome. Great cotton t-shirts for you to wear absolutely free. So here's here's what you do to get the free shirt. I love this Peter oh, one. Really shirts. rocks. Uh, all you have to do is submit to me at srpewterreport.com. So email me at srpewterreport.com your proof of purchase, your receipt that you're going to get from Manscaped. The good news is it's got your address on it. I need that to send you the free shirt. It doesn't have your financial information, which I don't need, don't want anyway. So just forward me that receipt. And here's the thing. The holiday season is rapidly approaching, right? So go ahead and, and get this uh, performance package 
um, for the dude in your life, your dad, your uncle, your granddad, um, your, your college roommate from many years ago, your best friend, your neighbor, whoever you think needs to have their pubes trimmed. Uh, because maybe get it for yourself. Tell the tell the wife. Or the Don't spend a hey. lot of time thinking about it. <laughs> exactly. Hey, hey, this is something that not only I'm going to like, but you're going to like too. Um, plus, I want that free Peter Report shirt. So here's the thing: send it as a gift or give it to yourself. The other thing is keep the Peter Report shirt for yourself. It's absolutely free. Just uh, hit great. Peter twenty and then email me that receipt at I'm sorry sr at pewterreport.com. And I'll send you that free shirt. I tried to make okay, my brother and he laughed at me. Why? Oh, I think he thought God. it was weird that his little sister was like, hey, your balls need some help oh, yeah. because I shouldn't know about the situation, which I don't, but I was like, Merry well, Christmas. You can guess, right? I mean, you're just looking balls. out for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're just looking out for him. Yeah, exactly right. I totally understand. It's a great idea. Maybe you should just get it for him anyway, Casey. Like, I will. Maybe I'm that's what you got to do. Seattle. He'll love it. All right. There you go. All right. Game <laughs> balls uh, presented by Manscaped. Casey, you want to go first? What? Who's offensive defensive do you have what you're i don't even know I'm okay i guess i'll start on defense because i actually have one um okay. i've i've harped on his performance a couple of times this season but i've got to give it to jordan whitehead he was probably the best defensive player out there besides yeah. anthony nelson who would have guessed so i got to give the defensive game ball to jordan whitehead offensively I mean, Good luck. I guess Mike Evans, he he gets double teamed on a lot of plays and then for him to still find the end zone with what three catches this entire game, it just kind of speaks to who he is. And of course him being the leader and pressers after the game saying that yeah. you know that was on him and stuff. You could just tell that he's really big on maintaining the chaos post game, pre game in, in all situations. So Mike Evans is that all around dude that you just have to give credit to. And obviously the bucks are, you know, they're very happy to have him. So Mike Evans and uh, Jordan Whitehead are going to be my Jordan Whitehead, nine tackles today and um, came up with a, a big tackle for loss. Three catches, 62 yep. yards, and a touchdown for Mike Evans. Yeah. Um, John, should I go next or, or do you want to go? Sure. I'll also say this. Uh, you're exactly right. Jordan Whitehead did play well. We forgot in mentioning all the mistakes that we're talking about. Jordan Whitehead's <laughs> interception that went right off his hands and was yeah. caught by a Washington player, DeAndre Carter. And I wanted to blame change. him for a second, but it's a height thing with that. I was gonna say he's five yeah. ten. Look, he was six. Sometimes that's a pick, but I'm not excusing the way the Bucks play, but it feels like it's just like every bounce the last couple of weeks have gone. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that reverses if they can get back in the win column. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, let's see. Um, I am going to go with uh, with you know a player that, that kind of like Casey. I, I've been giving you know a little bit of flag to for for my game ball presented by Manscaped, and that's Devin White. I've been on his case because I want Devin to play better, right? I want him to be more productive, fill up some of those other components on the stat sheet aside from tackles. Well, he came through with the tackles today, eighteen. Uh, I would have loved for him to to made to make some, some more plays to get this team off the field. He did miss some run fits. He did miss some tackles today. It wasn't a perfect performance, but he also came through with two sacks. So he was a better blitzer today. He actually got home and got the quarterback on the ground, which he struggled to do this year. So for that, I'm going to reward Devin White with my game ball, 18 tackles and two interceptions. Uh, because Casey went with Mike Evans, I really have no choice to, uh, today than to go with, with Blaine Gabbert. Um, I thought that Blaine did a really good job. I, there was the, the listen. I completely were, understand it. Yeah, there were there was a, a time on the sidelines 
on the TV, uh, you know, telecast where they were showing Brady throwing the ball to Cam Brate and then uh, Blaine Gabbert throwing the ball back down, you know, to Tom Brady. And, and I noticed that Blaine had a really tight spiral on the ball today. Didn't get in the game for any of those victory formation kneel downs that we like to see. But uh, I thought, nevertheless, you know, he looked like he was pretty competent on the sidelines with the earpiece in, listening intently to the play calls. Didn't throw any interceptions. Didn't didn't do anything wrong today. So I'm gonna go with Blaine Gabbert. And, and, and he didn't play, and the Bucks too. lost. He did look fabulous. Right. Yeah. Didn't play, and the Bucks lost. So there. there again, maybe again. one of these days, Arians figures it out. I don't know. Right. Maybe we'll see. I don't. Them. I don't know. Could have used them. All right. My choices offensively. Tristan Wirfs, I thought played a really good, clean game from everything that I saw live. Um, I was really impressed with him as I tend to be every week. There are not many choices offensively in my mind. Uh, so I'll go with Tristan Wirfs as uh, the best player there. Uh, and then, yeah, the other side of this defensively, it's hard because everybody who played well also had, you could flip the coin and say, they, man, they let, it's a bad plays or let opportunity go. Even you know, Devin, Devin White's in that the, category, you know? <laughs> really? Right, right. He's probably the clearest example, as I was going to yeah. say, because, yeah, three tackles for loss, two sacks. 18 tackles. He was all over yeah. the place. He made some great plays. The 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 quick hit, the screen to Terry McLaurin snuffed it out, made a great play out in the flat. I think he really played well, but his, his negative plays just still end up shining so bright. Longest for the game because he totally missed his, block, his gap and, and and missed a tackle then too. Uh, he overran a tackle, even his sacks. He overran the sack on the first yeah. one. He was lucky. Heineke kind of fell down when he touched him. So there's good and bad with Devin White, but yeah, I mean, it's got to be him. I think he's got to be the one to get the game ball. I will say this. I thought Vea played pretty well for Vea standards as a pass rusher. He pushed the pocket really nicely a few times, was a dominant monster against the run. It, it deserves pointing out that the Bucs were terrific statistically against the run. Did they give up an ill-timed run or two, especially on the 10-minute drive? Yeah, yes. but I mean, this was a game where Washington averaged like two yards per carry, and they ran the ball a lot. Uh, you know, this was – for Washington in terms of running the football in this game. Here's the, the final numbers. Gibson had 24 carries for 64 yards, 2.7 yeah. average. Uh, Heineke had three for 15. That's the only – they were at 2.8 yards per carry as a team. <laughs> Heineke had five yards of carry and had 15 of those yards that they had. Without his scrambles, that would be even yeah. worse. They didn't so even rush for 100 yards. Performance. But it seemed like they yeah. did, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's the thing. They were timely conversions for sure. <laughs> right. Lots of third right. and short rushes that were successful. Yeah. 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 The look in the field wasn't too wasn't too nice. So, Like we said, not a lot of positives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you lose to a grade six team and you're a Super Bowl contender, that a lot of people, most people are putting number one in their power rankings. Yeah, you're probably going to have very little positive things to say on the post game presser. So sorry fans. Hopefully you got to vent it out with us a little bit was good stuff. Tomorrow we'll be back on the podcast 4 PM Eastern. We'll have some more insight for you on this game and whether what we saw in terms of the tape and looking down the field and things like that, see if there were some options there, see all the things that went right. And we hear from Bruce Arians at 1230 tomorrow too. So we'll have some more reaction from Bruce and what he has to say. I, I, I do think it's kind of funny. He said, well, we had three interceptions. We dropped the day and I'm thinking, there's no way Jordan White comes up with that with that ball. He had his hands above his head like this. He's only five foot ten yeah. at best. <laughs> Ross Cockrell touched the ball on a pass breakup. Now, there's no I thought way the White one was a drop on the on the on the replay. I mean, it was a tough catch maybe, but he should have caught it. 
The Cockrell one, no way. Y'all There's no way he was going to catch that. No, he like said it to the Washington yeah. player. If we're talking right. about the same play, well, I don't. Yeah. Well, but, the Cockrell, but apparently yeah. in Bruce's world, if you touch the ball, you should catch it. And listen, I understand that that's a that's a phrase from yesteryear in football, and sometimes it applies, but sometimes it doesn't. But it needs to apply all yeah. the time if it's going to, because it doesn't apply to the offense, or at least it just started applying to Ronald Jones a couple games ago. <laughs> Well, and yeah. certainly Giovanni true. Ronald Jones played one snap today. Did we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah just started applying. Nice. I know. I had to look around nice. on the sidelines to make sure he still wore a Bucks jersey. I was, I was <laughs> I thought was they traded him. He's yeah. the witness protection. Like, wait, right the trade rumors come true. What did I miss? I know I was a little sleepy by week. That's but right. <laughs> yeah. I was confused. Yeah, not much out of him today. So we'll see if that when they're down in game, probably they don't even want him on the field at all as a receiver unless it's a neutral situation or they're winning, I guess. So yeah. understandable given what he's shown. So uh, again, we'll be back 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. We'll break down more of this. We'll look at the snap counts too and tell you what we saw from some of that. Um, there'll be lots of good content. There already is lots of good content up at PeterReport.com. We'll have the snap count analysis up early in the morning. Two-point conversion is going up, I think, sometime tonight or tomorrow morning. We'll have Monday morning mailbag as well. If you have questions you want to send, tweet them. Uh, Scott has the tweet up, and you can tweet at Scott, and he'll answer your questions in the mailbag too. So lots going on there, and hopefully we'll have injury updates for you as well. Already yeah. have one up on the site on Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting. Some some kind of good news there that you can see, and then we'll see on Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown if this could be the week Monday, get an extra day maybe to get they right. Maybe and- back, John. These receivers they can do. separate. They need oh, A.B. Yeah. Miller. Yeah, Scott. Scotty. Scotty would help too. Scotty would help too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I actually it. saw so, fans asking for Scotty today, and I felt so valuable. And it wasn't just you. That was awesome. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great stuff. We appreciate Bucks fans jumping in with us here, even though we know this was a little bit of a negative one. Got to be that way sometimes. We're keeping it 100 with y'all, and we will always keep it 100 with y'all. So we appreciate y'all jumping in and listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.